great morning, 1C family. Are you ready to join us today? We're going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Today we get to walk with him as he teaches two disciples the power of the resurrection. Let's open our hearts and worship the Lord.
Let us go to God by worshiping him in prayer. So if you would, please, bow your heads. Great and gracious Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for this morning, for this chance to be together, whether it be online or as we are here in this room together in Jesus' name. Lord, this morning we ask that you bless the message we're about to receive as well as our fellowship together. And Lord, take away all those anxieties, all that stress, all that worry that we have and lift us up to you, to the only one that's there for us on a continual basis. Lord, we pray all of these things in your awesome name. And all God's people said, amen. amen.
There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no share with you from Psalm 51. You are kind, God. Please have pity on me. You are always merciful. Please wipe away my sins. Wash me clean from all my sin and guilt. I know about my sins, and I cannot forget the burden of my guilt. You are really the one I've sinned against. I have disobeyed you and have done wrong. So it is right and fair for you to correct and punish me. I have sinned and done wrong since the day I was born, but you want complete honesty. So teach me true wisdom. And really, a, a time of confession is a time of being honest with God. So let's go to him now in prayer. Oh, good and gracious God, merciful Father, we come before you this morning and we, like David, we confess to you that we have sinned against you in our thoughts, words, and deed. And because of that sin, we deserve eternal separation and punishment. But we humbly come before you. And in the glow of the resurrection still in our lives, we come to you and ask that because of Jesus and because of all that he has done for us on the cross and in that empty tomb and in his resurrection, we would have forgiveness of sins and life forever with you. So with your servant David, 
we rejoice in your favor, your love, your grace, your mercy. And may we, your people, give you all the praise and honor for what you have done, are doing, and will do, because you are so good to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And again, I pray that you would also be able to experience that goodness and grace of God every single day, not just right here, right now, but God loves us with an everlasting love, and we get to not just experience it, but live in that. So may that good news give you strength and hope today and tomorrow. A couple things as we move forward in worship. Uh, don't forget that you can submit your prayer requests if you uh, so do so. Uh, one way is just right on Facebook. Is if you're watching this in the comments section, you can place that down there. But we also have um, a new way to do it. You could text your prayer request to 402-242-5051. And we will get those prayer requests. And then we will include them not just today, but even throughout the week as we lift you up in prayer. Uh, a couple other things just for you to know. Uh, people have been asking and we have now made available uh, for you to be able to give of your tithes and offerings online. And there are several different ways to do it. You could text to give, you can online give, and you can also go to the Church Center app and you can put the information in in a very safe way so that you can continue to support the ongoing mission and ministry of 1C. And also, as you make your way to whether our website or the church planning app, we have so many different resources for you that you can use wherever you are. You know, in this world of COVID-19, we realize that, well, we can't get around and maybe we don't have some of those uh, places that we've gone before to be fed with. So these online resources are there for you so that you can use those and grow and continue to grow in Jesus. So again... May God be glorified in us and through us as we continue to worship him.
I'm sorry about that. I, I was, thank you. I was cleaning my glasses and time got away. I don't know about you. One of the most frustrating things for those of us that wear glasses is when they get dirty. And uh, my glasses, I don't know what happens with them, but they, they get pretty filthy and uh, I often clean them. But I'll just tell you this. I don't clean them anywhere near to how my wife cleans glasses. So if I want my glasses to be really, really clean, I kind of hand them over to her and say, would you please? And she does it, and then they end up being crystal clear, not like what I'm doing right now. Well, this is really not the point of my sermon or my kid's message leading to my sermon. Here's the scoop. Sin has affected all of us. In fact, it affects our spiritual eyes. We we can't see and we can't discern. In fact, we're blinded because of sin. And just like Jesus did in the Gospels, uh, there was a time when he, he healed somebody that was blind. 
He can heal us of our spiritual blindness so that we can see. We can see who God is. We can see how much he loves us. We can experience all the blessings that God has given us because of his grace and mercy. So that's the kid's message and hopefully an illustration to where we're going to go now as we continue our journey uh, with the theme of never alone. And I'll just, you know, about, uh, I think it was January, maybe even before, I knew that I wanted to continue the theme of never alone. And boy, has it proven to be important for us. Because with this COVID-19, we are more secluded than perhaps ever before. And as I've talked with lots of different people, they have expressed this, this emotion of, of being alone and not really liking it too much. And they can't wait for it to be over. That's why as we have this theme of the resurrection of Jesus means that we're never alone, never. He said he's gonna be with us, and he is. He said he was gonna suffer, die, and rise again, and he did. He is so faithful to his word of promise. Last week, as we started this journey after Easter, looking at the post-resurrection appearances, we, we, we found the disciples in the upper room, remember? And the doors were locked for fear of the Jews. And Jesus shows up, powerful way. And uh, he says to them, peace be with you. And during that time, you can have a sense that a lot of their fears were addressed and relieved. But if you recall the story, Thomas was not in that room on that first night. Well, eight days later, they're in that room again. Now Thomas is with them. Jesus shows up again and says, peace be with you. And then through this discourse and conversation with Thomas, Thomas exclaims, and doubt is now pushed out, and he says, my Lord and my God. Wow. You see, when Jesus shows up, lives change. The fear and the doubts of this world are addressed. Well, today we're going to, Keep this journey going, and, and we're going to be looking at vision. And as I mentioned with the kids' message, you know, we're, we're blinded because of sin. And when Jesus shows up, he can help us see. See God and see God at work in our lives. So let's uh, kind of begin this journey as we look at the scripture. And we're going to look at Luke chapter 24, verses 13 and 14. And then we're going to move through the text of chapter 24. All right, that very day, two of them, and let me just stop here, two of who? Well, two of the disciples, not, not one of those, um, not the apostles, but one of the followers of Jesus. And we don't know who they are yet, all right? Uh, pretty soon we're going to find the name of one of them. But they're on their way, and they were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. Now, Emmaus. I think something is important for us to understand about this place called Emmaus. Uh, here we have Jerusalem and seven miles to where we really don't know where Emmaus is. Um, in fact, if you look closely, you'll see the question mark. It could be there. And if you, if you travel to the Jerusalem area, and if you were to go to a place called Emmaus, they would tell you well, we really don't know for sure if this is Emmaus. 
Now, what does that say to us? It says to me that Emmaus is a very insignificant place. Not big, not powerful, maybe not even popular. And yet, this is important to somebody named Jesus. Important enough that he connects with these disciples as they are taking this journey. All right, let's go back to the text. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Here's the thing about the scriptures. It gives us some very important truths. In fact, in the words that are in yellow, we find a very important theological truth or doctrine. And that is this. Grace pursues us. In a place like Emmaus, insignificant, unpopular, yes. See, the extent of God's grace has no limit. There's no beginning, no end, no measurement to it. It is bigger than we can comprehend. Because God, who is the one who has grace, is infinite. We, who aren't God, are finite. So his grace is big. Now, we find this concept of grace throughout the entire scriptures. We can go back in time, we could go to Genesis, and we can find Adam and Eve being created and placed into the garden. And that garden was a place of grace. It was a place of beauty. It was a place of wonder. And God placed them there and said, you know what, enjoy this. This is my gift to you. And then even after sin happened, you could sit back and think, well, you know, God's probably ticked off and he doesn't want anything to do with his creation. But that's not what happens. Instead, God steps into the moment again. He pursues them because what did they do after they sinned? They went to hide. They didn't want to see the creator. They didn't want to see this God because they were feeling fearful. Maybe they, maybe now they're struggling with who they are in the the realm of all of life. But God shows up, and when God shows up, yes, he addresses the sin part. He does. And he talks to Eve, and he talks to Adam, and he talks to the the devil, and ultimately God says, I'm going to do something that's very gracious. I'm going to send my son, and he's going to come, and he's going to crush you, Satan. That's grace. That is the grace of God. And please, you know, look throughout the entire scriptures. You're going to see this grace of God evident all the way through from Genesis to Revelation. It is who God is. He is a gracious God who pursues people, even people who live in Emmaus, people who live in Columbus, people who live wherever. God's grace pursues us. All right, we're going to continue with that text because we're going to find another very important theological truth or doctrine. And it's in the second part where we have, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Why? What's going on? Well, the theological truth that we admitted just a moment ago is this idea that sin blinds us. And uh, just like my glasses can get dirty, me as a human being, I am dirty. My eyes become, um, well, 
dramatically affected by sin. I don't always see God. I don't see him at work. In fact, I use my eyes to go different directions and, and go different places and look on things that we shouldn't be. I mean, why do you think the commandments talk about coveting? Because we're drawn to looking for things that we shouldn't have. Martin Luther, some 500 years ago, addressed this. And he addressed this idea of his grace. In fact, I'm going to give you this picture and this image. Martin Luther says, the things we battle against all the time is the devil, the world, and our sinful flesh. And all three of them come with such intensity because, again, the devil himself wants to kill, steal, and destroy. The devil wants to take you and me and to have us turn away from the grace and mercy of God and to be lost forever. That's what he wants to do. And again, that's far from what God wants. That's why he pursues us. That's why he doesn't give up. Well, let's go back to the story again. And we're going to go to verses 17 to 19. And we're going to watch how this is starting to unfold and how Jesus is going to change these two disciples. So Jesus said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And if we were to uh, make this a little bit more con contemporary, Jesus shows up and he says, what's up? And then we find. He says, then one of them, named Cleopas, so we get the name of one of them, and um, answered him and said, Are, and, do you sense attitude here? Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? He's, he's kind of baiting them, right? He, he's trying to pull out from them to, to understand uh, their doubt, their fears, their worries, to express these things, because Jesus wants to change their lives for eternity. So he says what things? And here's the thing. I'm not going to um, put up on the screen because it's a lot of text. But they get into now some detail. In fact, they get into the events that took place, that Jesus uh, was handed over to the chief priests. He suffered many things. Um, he was beaten. He was put on the cross. And they kind of go through all those details. And then they make reference to the fact that an angel appeared to the women. Wow. So they really give a really great summary. But there is something in this portion of text uh, that is, um, it's sad. But I can relate to it, and I'm sure you can relate to it too. And it's these words. These, one of the disciples said this. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Do you get the sense of this past tense thing? We had hoped. We had hoped that he would have done what we were hoping him for, to him to do, to redeem Israel. And I'm wondering if, uh, you know, what were they hoping for? Maybe they didn't listen. I think there was a spiritual deafness going on as well as spiritual uh, blindness. I mean, Jesus said very clearly, I'm going to suffer many things. I'll be handed over. I'm going to suffer and die and rise again on the third day. But for some reason, they didn't hear it. And I'm wondering if part of it is 
their inclination and our inclination is to make God into what we want him to be. And what was it? Well, of course, they were under the oppression of Rome. Of course, they would like to kind of turn things upside down and let Israel be on top of Rome and be more powerful than these people that have been oppressing them. So their hope was dashed. I'm guessing the um, emotion as they were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, they weren't skipping along. My guess, their heads were hanging and they were walking slowly. They were feeling dejected. Um, But let's go back to the text because, again, we find Jesus stepping into their lives. So, verses 25 and 27, he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now here's my conjecture. The disciples, these two up until this moment, were using their brains, not their hearts. And remember, our brains are dramatically affected by sin. So again, they were looking for and trying to see things that they wanted, and and they were missing it. And the real issue was a heart issue. They were slow here. And let me tell you, when I hear these words, it's as if Jesus is speaking to me and to you. How many times are we slow to heart? Too many times. Too many times we don't put faith in Jesus. Too many times uh, we we wonder where he is. We wonder what he's doing. um, And we wonder what's going to happen. I mean, are we really left on our own through this COVID-19 thing? That's the effect of sin. Yes, spiritual blindness but this heart that doesn't beat too strongly. Wow. Again, this is uh, the condition of humanity. But what Jesus did in opening up the scriptures, that he, that's what he said, he talked about Moses and he talked about the prophets and all this, he was trying to appeal to their head a little bit and say, hey, don't you remember? Don't you remember what God said about this and that and this and that? Get it here. And for me, this is a great reminder for us to pause and remember that all Scripture points to Jesus. All of it. From Genesis all the way to Revelation. And uh, whenever I teach, you know, young people, and, or not so young, and I, I share this, this concept, I say, you know what? The Old Testament, you don't see the name Jesus ever used, but you do see Scripture, prophecy, pointing to the Jesus who is going to come. The Jesus who is going to die on a cross and rise again from the dead for forgiveness of sins and hope and salvation. That's the Old Testament. It just keeps pushing and pointing to what's going to come. And then we get to the gospel. I mean, I just think about the gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The here and the now. The stories of healing and teaching. Uh, The story of those moments where Jesus is talking to the marginalized and, and loving them right where they're at, but not leaving them where they're at. That's the Gospels. And then we move a little bit further and we, we get to the, the letters or the epistles. 
and a lot of them were written by Paul. And you, you see a theme all the way through there. It's Jesus Christ who suffered and died, who rose again, that wants to change your life. And this is what it should look like, church. And so when he writes to the Corinthians or the Galatians or the Ephesians, he is encouraging them in their faith to follow Jesus and to love him. And then we get one more step over here to Revelation. I love this book, and yet I don't know if I've ever taught a Bible class on it. Because there's just so many times you can say, well, I don't know what this means. It's a powerful book. It's talking about the Jesus who is going to come again. And when he comes again, we're going to experience as believers a joy like nothing else. Heaven and, and peace and love and all the things that he wants for us to have in our lives. That is the glory of what God is going to do. All right, back to the story again. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if they were going farther. I really don't know what that means. You know? I mean, he was acting, but he knew what was going to happen. Was he hoping for them to stop him? I'm thinking that's what it was. But they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And I hope you're getting a picture here. Grace pursues us. Grace comes to us so we can start seeing Jesus. And Jesus desires to spend time with these two who, again, were in the middle of their grief and still aren't getting it yet, right? Do you have that impression? I mean, the light bulb moment didn't happen yet. It didn't yet. All right. When he was at the table, to me, this is, this is big time stuff here, so watch this, and I've got a, a thought that I have that I haven't read anywhere, but I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if this is true. When he was at the table, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And then it says, and their eyes were open. What was it that caused the light bulb moment to go on? He already identified that they were slow to heart, okay? They were slow, and I can relate to that. But here's my conjecture, and maybe you thought of it this already. God bless you if you did. But here he is, and as a good rabbi, when you're ready to give thanks for the bread, you actually lift it up. I wonder if when he lifted it up, they saw the nail marks. And the light bulb went on. And then we're told, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road? While he opened to us the scriptures? I don't know if you've ever had a moment where your heart burns. I mean, you have heartburn, maybe, because you ate the wrong food. But we're talking about the spiritual heartburn, this, this burning, this yearning, this change. I mean, something's going on inside of you, and you know that you just experienced something that was extraordinary, something that only God can deliver, that gets your heart beating an extra beat every time it can. And their lives were changed. And we're going to get back to them, but I want to get to you and me. Because with every portion of Scripture that we ever look at, God's desire is to speak to you. 
God's desire is to speak to all of us, wherever we are. And he wants us to know that he understands. So here's the question. I'm going to go back to the screen so you can uh, have the picture in front of you, especially the picture. And I want you to think about it for a moment. What is your Emmaus road? Sub-question. Where is it that Jesus needs to meet you? Now, here's what I'm thinking. For some of you, you're sitting here today, and your Emmaus road is a road that's leading to um, uncertainty with your health. Doctors kind of said a couple things. You've been doing some tests, and you're kind of feeling some stuff going on, and you don't know what it is. Or maybe your Emmaus Road is more of a, a financial question. Like with this COVID-19 thing, not sure. You know, the money going out is a little bit greater than what's coming in. And how am I going to navigate through this? Maybe it's a relational road. Maybe the Emmaus Road, is, it's all about the question of, am I going to be married to this person six months from now? I'm, I'm getting some vibes. And I'm feeling weak and vulnerable. Or maybe your Emmaus Road is something that is just plain emotional. I've talked with many people, not just a couple people, but many people who are feeling depression and anxiety and its rise, right? I talk about it as a dial kind of going up uh, with this COVID-19 and the longer it is and this being isolated, it's just doing, it's wreaking havoc on a lot of people's lives. So maybe your Emmaus road is that. And I just want you to know, Jesus wants to meet you there. Remember, grace pursues us. Grace goes to wherever we are, and then Jesus, his presence. And his desire is that our hearts would start burning. We would start remembering and realizing what the scriptures have said and what God has said about him loving people like us. And then we live that out. And that's where I want to bring you for a second. Um, going back to those disciples 2,000 years ago. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together saying, The Lord has risen indeed. And has appeared to Simon. Then they told what, what had happened on the road. And how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. So, the question. I mean, I asked you about the Emmaus road. What does our resurrection proclamation look like? And I'll, I'll tell you, I battle with that. There are times that I look at all the stuff that's going on and the people who've been affected, and I forget about the resurrection. It, it's not like right here. And then I pray, or I have other people who are so encouraging. And then you look back into the scriptures. When we realize that the cross could not hold him, the tomb could not hold him, that Jesus has risen again from the dead, we can know for all certainty that we are never alone. That we have a hope 
that this world cannot give, a peace that will calm a troubled heart, and some eyes that are going to start seeing things as God wants us to see them. So may God be with and bless you and bless me as God shows up and Jesus shows up and he changes our lives forever. In the name of Jesus, amen. There's a light in my life shining over me. There's a light in my life shining over me. Yeah. Let your blessings from above fill me with that precious love. There's a light in my life shining over me. Lord, sometimes I sit and I wonder why strange things happen to me. Then again, I feel my friends are gone, yeah. But if I put my trust in Jesus, my burdens will lie down. Don't you see there's a light in my life shining over me? Lord, walk with me, mm-hmm, talk with me. Please stay close by my side. Be my shelter, be my comfort, be my guide, yeah. I was blind, but now I see Jesus, he came and he rescued me. There's a light in my life shining over me. There's a light in my life shining over me. There's a light in my life shining over me, yeah. Let your blessings from above fill me with that precious love. There's a light in my life shining over me. Let's go to God in prayer this morning. Father, we lift up to you the law enforcement and all those working on the front lines and the hospitals. You just give them peace and guidance and strength. Prayers for wisdom, patience, and directions for those in power and making decisions. Our uh, government, our governor, our community leaders, our business owners, and for you and me. Prayers for relief from the COVID-19 and for families to get together. Prayers for our health care workers. Prayers for Jody in rehab. Prayers for my cousin who needs your guidance and strength and knowledge of where to turn to when struggling. Prayers for my son's safety in Omaha. Keep him safe from wrong people and bad choices. Prayers for everyone who's suffering physically, emotionally, financially, and in any other way due to the coronavirus. Prayers for my son's girlfriend as she recovers from major surgery. Prayers for Justin who lost his way and needs the Lord's help. 
pray that I can understand more about my husband's behavior and pray my husband would someday realize that I worry about his health more than he knows. Prayers for my cousin who is struggling and needs help and needs to see that she is a beautiful person and that she can help me to reach out and show her the way of the Lord and give me the strength to help her. Prayers for the Lord to watch over and guide and protect my family. Help lead us down the path that they choose for us. Guide us, guide our local and state government. Give them wisdom and strength to do what is best for us. Prayers for my unborn grandchild. Prayers for our children's health and wellness. Prayers that our community will stay safe in the midst of this uncertain time and lift our eyes to our great and glorious God. Prayers for Daryl Savart, for healing as he finds his way through this terrible disease, and prayers and love to his family that they continue to find strength and hope in your healing powers. Prayers for a family and a friend of Mike Wolfel, who passed away in a motorcycle accident last Sunday. Prayers especially for his wife and twin 11-month-old children, that they will find peace. Prayers for my family to come to know the Lord from a and form a relationship with him. Prayers for everyone in domestic violence relationships and sexual assault occurrences through this pandemic. Prayers for Sean Ferrader, rejoicing in God's healing for him. Prayers for the Lord to put a hedge of protection around my dad as someone diagnosed with the coronavirus at the plant that he works at. Prayers of thanks for my sister that she tested negative for the virus. Prayers for Luann Bender. Prayers for my SOS family and staff. Prayers for Eros. Prayers for my friend that his knee feels better. Prayers for a sheriff dep deputy's wife. Prayers for my wisdom teeth that they may feel better. Prayers for someone who's been very ill and is asking for prayers. Prayers for a family members that have uh, lost loved ones in this time and are unable to get together. Lord, just comfort them. Father, we just thank you that uh, as we go through this time, that in your word and, and through today's message that you have told us that we are not alone, that you are by our side, whether we feel your presence or not. Help us to realize that and to trust and lean on you. And Father, we just thank you for that, that reassurance that you give us. Join me as we say the Lord's Prayer that he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I find it especially meaningful during moments like this to take time and remember the God of the universe, powerful enough to make the heavens and the earth, and yet personal enough to know what's going on, um, and to, to profess my faith and trust in him. So I'd like to give us all an opportunity to profess that faith as summarized in the Apostles' Creed. 
I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And before I share with you the blessing, just two quick announcements. Uh, number one, uh, many of you have asked about Holy Communion. Uh, if you want to give the church office a call or even message me on Facebook, and I could talk to you about Holy Communion. And secondly, here in Nebraska, we were um, just told, I think it was on Friday, that churches can begin to open up beginning May 4th. We don't know exactly what that means yet. So we're asking two things of you. Number one, pray about that. Pray that we would have wisdom of what that means for 1C Church. Um, and secondly, just so you know, we will let you know. More information will come out this week about the thoughts and plans for that. Let me share with you the blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace now and forever. Amen. Great is your faithfulness, O oh God. You wrestle with the sinner's restless heart. by still waters into mercy and nothing can keep us apart so remember your people remember your children remember your promise oh God Justice, O oh God of Jacob, you use the weak to lead the strong. You lead us in the song of your salvation, and all your people sing along. So remember. Your grace is 
grace is enough. Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough for me. Your grace is enough. Well, I'm covered in your love. Your grace is enough for me. Oh God, I see your grace is enough. I'm covered in your love. Your grace is enough for me. Oh, for me. It's enough for me. Sunday, everybody. Go in peace and serve the Lord.